right, welcome to another Indigenous Vision podcast. I believe this one will be number nine by the time you are hearing this. My name is Melissa Spence. I am uh, usually the music lady here at Indigenous Vision. I'm also the producer and a personality in the podcast. And I'm here once again with Suta Calling Last. How are you? Hey, everybody. I am doing good. Busy, busy Saturday morning this morning. I have Blood Tribe Candidate Forums, a Youth Council Forum. I'm trying to stay involved in my my tribal politics. And Whoa. And, um, I'm living four hours south of my tribe, but I'm not. I'm still on traditional territory, and I'm still concerned about what's going on with my my community that's beautiful we were just we just did the episode on uh, i don't know more and how we're so not idle even though it's been dubbed that uh, movement so it's really great to hear that you're involved with it i don't think a lot of people realize that there's these whole other systems involved with tribes still to this day yeah and speaking of my tribe one of the most painful memories i have and it's just painful for me watching it so i have no idea how the woman affected is but she um while members leaders of my tribe were wrapping a blanket around harper she was being removed from the gym and all she was doing was calling out why he had to pass bill c45 and why is our tribe supporting a man who is not supporting what we need as a collective of people who rely on on land and water to form our identity that was a female member of your tribe kind of just yeah they removed her from the gym for yelling essentially why (sighs) why are you doing this and and i feel like now from a a, going back to the cultural humility perspective what should have happened is we should have had a tribal leader walk up to her and like walk her over to harper so that the tribal leader and harper and her could have a what like a face-to-face conversation and yeah she was emotional about it how could we not be emotional about it and that's another thing is that at some point you really have to get po'd enough that you know the way i'm saying this and and how stressed and how worried i am about the future impacts of decisions being made can't be i can't cover it up i can't you know i'm going to show emotions yeah exactly I know that when there's a lot of press conferences, there's always that that element of, you know, someone might get really loud and noisy because, you know, this is media and we're supposed to behave a certain way when the cameras are rolling and blah, blah, blah. But we've known for so long that that form of communication just isn't effective. And sometimes you got to roll in and shut it down. You know, you got to express yourself any any way that you can. But I like the fact that you mentioned, you know, maybe a different way would be to have a, a proper line of communication with all parties involved to just so everybody's on the same page at least or is attempting to try and understand each other yeah so we're here today to talk about thanksgiving now i've been struggling with this myself trying to have conversations with people leading up to the recording of this podcast kind of just casually going around like my workplace and my friends like what do you think about thanksgiving and because i'm I'm already noticing how it's revving up in america american thanksgiving compared to canadian thanksgiving are two completely completely different things I'm realizing here. Um, What's been your experience for you? Well, it comes right after Halloween. And so we have all of the hot maiden, hot Indian maiden costumes. And, and then, um, so that always leaves me kind of 
sour, salty, <laughs> the, the Halloween, and then having a couple of weeks later, Thanksgiving, where we see a bunch of children in schools making those turkey feather construction paper headdresses and, and then doing the tomahawk chop and, and putting their hand over their mouth to, to make the, the, which, which, I don't know what they're trying to do, but it's just, it's not really thanksgiving for indigenous people especially for the the east coast tribe that was massacred and their descendants and and so i think it's not it's not reflective of thanksgiving to just completely forget what had happened between is it the Moshpi Wampanoag and, yes. and the United States government? And so there was so much BS that went down. And then you have to get in 500 years of continued dispossession, termination, assimilation. Today, we're experiencing food deserts. <laughs> most tribal nations, talking about Thanksgiving and feasting, most tribal nations are in food deserts and don't have an, a grocery store within an hour of them and are at the end of the line for fresh produce and don't live in a landscape that has a long growing season. And so the concept of feasting and giving thanks, I just, I think about really who is it for? But then, then I go back to, on the other hand, I am very Blackfoot and I do like to feast and celebrate. And if there's any reason to gather relatives or just create a full spread dinner I'm kind of the first one down for it and my my specialty is a sweet potato pie <laughs> right pies are a big freaking deal for Thanksgiving so I went on the internet and I just googled first Thanksgiving in Google and then in YouTube and a couple of interesting things came up there was the breakdown of the tribe that you mentioned the Wapanog tribe so they were the ones that, I guess, encountered the Mayflower ship. This is how it all began in like 1620, right? This ship rolls up, the Wampanoag are there. They've just been decimated by the plague from the past Europeans that showed up four years prior. So like 70% of them to 80% had been wiped out from the plague. So then the ship rolls up and they're like watching it. And they're like, ooh, what's what's going to happen? Is this carrying the men that have been stolen from us? You know, because again, Europeans have been known to, to come over and abuse and and kidnap, you know, men from the tribe to take them over as slaves. So they're they're cautiously watching this Mayflower ship. And then they notice women and children getting off for the first time. And they're like, whoa, there's like white women and white children on this ship. So they come onto the land and they kind of just are watching each other and inspecting each other and then i guess that that village where the tribe once lived was obviously decimated because of the plague so the the pilgrims were like hey we're gonna set up shop here what a blessing from god everybody's gone so right away you have this different paradigm of like oh my goodness you know here they come settling on this village of all these deceased you know tribal members and then they a whole bunch of them die in the winter so the natives step in showing compassion show them how to grow crops everybody's happy again the first harvest comes they sit down they have a big feast that is what the internet says is the first thanksgiving 
the pilgrims thankful for the natives stepping up and being like, hey, this is how you plant corn. This is what you do with the squash. And this is how you survive because you guys are dying and we want to help you out because our tribe has been decimated and we're being threatened by another tribe. So you know what? We're both vulnerable. Let's try and help each other. That's how it ha happened. So that was the first one. And then I think about a year later, they had another big feast of, for like three days. They came together and they just mixed all their foods together. So that's initially what the Internet says Thanksgiving came from wasn't called Thanksgiving, but it was this rare moment of like mutual compassion. So that's what I looked up. How does that make you feel? <laughs> that makes me feel great. That makes me feel amazing. Yeah. Only that this country could have continued in that direction and that spirit. And, but it wasn't that community. No. Also, just a few months later after that, must have been the second feast, decided that they needed to get rid of their Indian problem. Yeah, it, it escalated they, pretty quickly after that. It was like a short-lived like, oh, thanks for showing us how to grow, you know, all these crops. It's like, now die and get out of the way. It's pretty much what happened, right? I believe it. And 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 I, I know it. Um, and it's still that way. I mean, it, we just talk about what we need and it's just too much. Like we talk about needing clean land and all of those foods like every day well not every day but a lot I think about I look at our, my plate of food and I think about what is indigenous on it and indigenous people of North America and South America has have just not received the recognition or the acknowledgement that we are the people who developed these foods, we through extensive agricultural practices, we developed corn from a tiny little one inch thing to a full kernel of corn in the whole rainbow of colors. And the potato is like synonymous with being Irish now. And the tomato is is synonymous with with Italian. But Ireland and, and Italy never had a potato or tomato before contact. And so it was through the, the wisdom and the education, the traditional ecological practices of indigenous people that these foods that now support uh, make up more than half of your plate were originally indigenous foods that were taught to settlers um, and shared with settlers in the spirit of community and still to this day, we as Indigenous people, we try to be polite and diplomatic and we just cross our fingers that Canadian and, and American leaders recognize our humanity. And and I don't know if our humanity has been recognized yet. Yeah, I totally I totally feel the exact same way. I've been trying to make peace with holidays like Thanksgiving for years. And this is my first serious attempt to do so because I do live from compassion and love and I really make my best effort to do that. And I was invited to a Thanksgiving, a very, very, very small Thanksgiving gathering because of the COVID, obviously. It's like me and two other people. And right away, and they're non-Indigenous, and right away I was just like, oh, here we go again. I'm being invited to another mythical, magical Thanksgiving platter or spread where the message is just totally lost. And now that I've educated myself a, a bit more deeper, I'm going to I'm going to talk about it during the Thanksgiving meal and, and educate them like, hey, this is this is why I'm always hesitant about Thanksgiving and this over splurging of just feasting. Because like you said, feasting is a wonderful thing, too. I love feasting. I love feasting for family gatherings, weddings, even a funeral. You know, you feast for your your loved ones all the time. So 
I'm going to make the best effort to make peace with this holiday because I live in America now and it is a big freaking deal down here, not compared to Canada where it's just like a quick day. You know, it's like we have a meal, that's it. But it seems to be like a huge deal down here. I was also reading the history of like where the turkey got involved. Nobody really knows how the turkey became involved with Thanksgiving. It just it just kind of happened. I know that the, the term Thanksgiving also came to light sometime around the Civil War, apparently. Lincoln was like, hey, we should have a we should have a gathering around this time so that everybody chills out. And then I think Frank Roosevelt, I call him Frankie Roosevelt, actually said that the, the, it was supposed to be the last Thursday of November was going to be Thanksgiving, but he bumped it up to the, the previous to, um, I guess, encourage sales during the depression for products, which I think has Black Friday vibes in it too, you know? So there's that. And then the parades got involved. So it just evolved into this huge consumption, um, gathering of like just American culture, of just the way things are now. So I'm really... I'm really reflecting on everything on how Thanksgiving came to be and how I'm going to partake in it year after year, because it seems like we're kind of forced to, you know, I mean, what yeah. do you have planned for Thanksgiving? <laughs> I haven't right? even thought about it yet, but it makes it easier to feel resentment towards when you, especially when you're, I don't know, woke enough to understand the capitalist system that we live in and, and the violence and oppression that capitalism causes and and then to just capitalize a, a holiday around this notion of thanks, but it's thanks for who? And I don't want to sound too too salty about it. Well, actually, I have all reason to be salty about it because because of the continuing ongoing impacts of oppression uh, and settlement. They're, they're ongoing impacts. And still to this day, we're not really seen as humans. What are we supposed to do? And and what kind of noise do we have to make to even, I mean, a Thanksgiving for me would be the state or the government passing a rights of nature document. That would give me reason to give thanks. Um, right now, water resources across Montana and across the country are threatened uh, by extractive industries who are owned by foreign companies. Where, where in that do we do we give thanks for 23 years of jobs, but uh, a lifetime or hundreds of years of of destruction? Like I I don't see how that weighs out. I, I you know I'm definitely not a short term gratification in terms of long term gratification. I think anything short term is probably not worth it. But yeah, the mass consumption of food is just unfair. When you think about, like you mentioned, the food deserts in America to have this one day of an astronomical amount of food being consumed. And as a vegan, yes, I am an indigenous vegan. There are like five of us in the whole world. There are going to be 47 million turkeys slaughtered for one day of consumption. And yet we have huge numbers of people not even having access to proper produce, never mind you know, livestock and stuff like that. So it just oh irks God. me on so many levels. It's like, it's just like, not only that, but then there's the fact that I'm, you know, I don't partake in the consumption of meat and the way animals are slaughtered nowadays. I don't think that, I truly believe that if one of our ancestors was to be magically teleported into this time and to witness the way food is, particularly animals, the way they're being treated and farmed, they would 
they would probably pass out. They would just be like, how did we get to this level? Like the way what we're doing is just so wrong. And yet here we are just celebrating and ugh, it just makes me, it just would, makes me feel really gross. I, I think if I had an abrupt transition from a traditional paradigm to today's paradigm and I, right. I, I was suddenly transported to the outside the fence, of an industrial farm of any, ugh. any animal, I would probably die from shock. Yeah, like that's, I mean, like I said, 47 million turkeys for one day. That makes Whoa. my stomach feel sick. Um, and and it's, it's done without respect and it's done in total waste because people, we have to be mindful of, of the things that we eat. And Melissa, we've been meaning to have a a podcast on on our food and spirituality and yeah. and health and and I think this is perfect time to bring it up that we we can't take food whether you believe it or not there there are ways that food is taken with respect and with honor and there's a way to grow food harvest food prepare food in a way that it just nourishes your body so much better and when you kill an animal in a state of fear, it, it releases all of those hormones and chemicals that embody fear. And so that made me think about the food we ingest and how it makes us feel as people. And so if you're dealing with anxiety or you're dealing with anything fear associated or chemically imbalanced, I think it's critical. And I've, I've joined you on and off and now eat mostly a vegan, um, a vegetarian diet and, and I'm getting closer to being vegan, but my mind is definitely, it's so hard to think about the problems that we have in this country with uh, youth suicide or just suicide in general of people and and how we feed ourselves and, and what energy is going into our food and how important that is and how people disconnect it these days. Totally disconnected. And then we wonder why we have so many health problems. Yeah, I, I really do refrain from talking about it because it just seems to really turn people off. They just think that I'm whining about animals, but in reality... I'm just trying to look out for myself and stay as healthy as possible. So to see everybody just going hard, like I used to eat turkey too on Thanksgiving. My parents would cook one up. But just to see the astronomical amount of food here in America that is being consumed, not just on Thanksgiving, but all the time. I mean, it had a lot to do with why I converted to veganism was when I came to America, just to see all of the fast food, all of the grocery stores it was just it impacted me on a, on a different type of level i was just like holy smokes wait a second here i can't i can no longer be a part of this i have to really watch what i eat and no longer ingest what is not serving my body anymore so thanksgiving i'm taking part as a vegan with other vegans who are non-indigenous so they have this whole weird <laughs> corner that I'm living in this year. And it's going to be really interesting to kind of just accept it as a holiday. You know, at least I'm doing the vegan thing. We have a pre-ordered meal through Whole Foods, which in itself is another, a whole other conversation about where we get our food from. But there's just so many things that I've been thinking about leading up to recording this podcast. Like Thanksgiving is, it's a big deal. In, in a different kind of way for us, not not in the fact that we're stressed out about planning a big meal and worried about COVID and how many people we're going to have over. We're, I'm, I'm trying to have a moral 
conversation with myself on where I stand and how I'm going to get through this year after year here. Yeah. Where is Thanksgiving and who is that thanks and what is it for? And, and is it superficial? Like, uh, thank you for this meal and thank you for our family and friends that are allowed to be here and surround, uh, and are in my life. Like, is it, is it something superficial or are we actually starting to analyze who we are and our practices in this world and the impact that they have and, and who has the ability to say thanks? Cause in the most part, I think, I mean, I, I'm not even pointing the finger in the most part, we're mostly just causing destruction. And from a water perspective, those industrial farms, even down to the clothes I wear are just not representative of a kind inclusive world and it's not a it's definitely not a world that is going to be able to to sustain for longer than the next 20 25 years because we already see you know huge pools of blood going into the Missouri River huge pools of from industrial farming activities and and that's one of the scariest things on my flight from Phoenix to New York when I did fellowship events in New York and Brooklyn is flying over the belt of of the Midwest belt. And there's a point in that flight where you can look down and you see four to six large pools of blood by industrial farms. And then I don't know if I'm the, why am I the only person who can look down and identify an industrial farm and the pools of blood and then think about how this is impacting everybody. Everybody in the world right now is trying to get their steps in. They're trying to watch what goes in their mouth. So let's take this a step further and start thinking about the energy that our food has with it. And I love I love your journey, Melissa. That hard stop, it literally was a hard stop. I think you ate eggs for a few months and then you were like, <laughs> no, I'm not. I'm not going to do it. And then I can't even do it. Yeah, you started glowing, like your mental state just was like sharper and you're just on it and you glow and you 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 always come to the table with an energy that's just beautiful. And I think that has is directly related to all of the you're eating the rainbow and you're eating sunshine all the time and and you've stopped and you actually started detoxing out all of those chemicals, hormonal chemicals of fear and, and anxiety or that fight or flight that they feel right before they're butchered. And 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 you've started detoxing that from your body. And I I see a difference being your friend for the past few years in your journey. On that. I can't believe it's been so long. I know. I, I I don't like to get all preachy about it, but it's it really has changed my life like 100%. I didn't, I never in my whole life thought I'd ever become a vegan living in the desert. I mean, I was the person who was so proud of all the meats that I ate and how, you know, I just love the taste of it. And I was supporting farmers. That was the argument that I would always throw out was I was supporting this and blah, blah, blah. And then I just, like you said, I just had a hard stop one day and I was like, no, I had a dream about animals. And I was just like, I can't do this anymore. And it's It's been a revelation of things, not just for my body, but for my mental health. Each year when when a holiday like this comes, where food is the focus, I get really weirded out and I don't know what to do sometimes. I'm just like, well, I work at a vegan restaurant and we have a vegan uh, Thanksgiving day meal 
first we've we've actually been there and it's, it was delicious but even my boss was like he was worried about calling it thanksgiving because he wants to be respectful as well from the indigenous perspective he asked me he's like should i call it something else and i'm like that's up to you this is your restaurant you know i'm not gonna jump in and say how about call it your welcome giving or your welcome meal or something like that because this is your restaurant and you know you're a non-indigenous person so i'm not gonna step on up on your toes but it was really nice to have someone even come to me and ask me something like that and i thought wow some people are really waking up to it and realizing that it's not just about this big hallmark what what's the big brand for the uh the, the turkeys, the butter, buttermilk butter turkey ball. or something. Butterball. Butterball. Yeah. Some big butterball occasion that, you know, these big corporations are behind and blah, blah, blah. I, I'm just trying to make peace with Thanksgiving in this episode. So that's what I've really been thinking about. And the whole veganism thing is another crazy, crazy conversation. But thank you for bringing that up because every time I seem to, people just don't want to talk about it. However, like you said, it is like directly impacting our environment and these factories are like hidden completely hidden and out of out of sight for a reason so that people don't have to think about those giant pools of blood that are seeping into the ground and all the all the waste and oh it's just terrible so thank you for bringing that up yeah and and that's why I mean, what do we give thanks for? And, and that's that indigenous perspective is even the animals have a right to give thanks or or be grateful that they're alive or have their their spirit and their body valued as a being, a real yeah. being, not not as a game or not as poultry or, or these other um, dehumanizing. And we don't even have the language for it. These these it's dehumanizing language that we, we put and people will say and and will be laughing at me right now. Yeah, we're dehumanizing turkeys and beef uh, or beef, see cows. Uh, yeah, like <laughs> the cattle, names. like all the little all the little like dancing cows on cartons of milk and you know the chick-fil-a people who've got like you know that that whole battle like save a cow eat a chicken like ew mm -hmm. you guys are mm -hmm. so gross you know like mm -hmm. it just it's so deeply ingrained in the commoditization of animals as right weird marketing and, campaigns and ugh. and do those enslaved animals have I, they have they have the ability to show appreciation. They have the ability totally. to show gratitude. And do they have the ability to say thanks? The positions that we put them in now where we put our needs over their lives is and over their spirits and over honoring them as a living being is completely wrong and, and needs is a practice that needs to be stopped. So Thanksgiving 2020 still going down here in Phoenix. I'll be um, <laughs> heading over to a friend's house to, to eat our little lentil loaves and our little butterless mashed potatoes and our vegan fudge that we ordered from Seattle. So essentially I'm taking part because what else can I do on a day like Thanksgiving? I mean, I can't sit around and be angry, which is not what I'm doing. I just thought, hey, I got invited. Why not go? And maybe I can educate or maybe we can just have a conversation about Thanksgiving, you know? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. A lot and of people then, get confused. And, and to, to give thanks around Thanksgiving, it does take the full story. You need the full story in there you can't mm -hmm. give thanks and then just not remember or not give credit to the suffering that has has allowed you to to give thanks and so yeah we're probably doing something for sure we get together and eat and and we have yeah. a small pod that we've been isolating with since april and 
uh, we all isolate together. It's it's just six of us, me and my mom <laughs> and all the kids. That's so cute. I'm glad that you guys will at least be able to like sit face to face and yeah. not like how we're doing through video all the time, which is right. cool. But and, you know, giving thanks should be a common practice. At least it is for me. I mean, maybe America's so, I don't know, cut off from from gratitude that they do really need a, a big holiday like this to sit down and reflect and be thankful because everything's so wild and everything's so fast paced. So maybe, maybe this is good for people to sit down and really think about what they're thankful for. So that's a positive right. perspective I'm trying to latch onto is like, Hey, well, maybe some people forget to give, to give gratitude and be thankful. So this is their time to do that. Mm-hmm. You know, and then I had a friend who said to me, well, because I was trying to say like, oh, I don't want to do Thanksgiving. And she was like, well, you can just make it about anything that you want it to be. So I thought about that, too, how you can just make a holiday, whatever you want. So that's what it's going to be a vegan meal and an open conversation about the origin of Thanksgiving for me. That's what I'm doing this year with um, a total stranger and someone I work with. Nice, nice work. And hopefully, <laughs> hopefully they are open to having that conversation because I don't know, we does it doesn't make us very well rounded people or humans at all. If if we can categorize like that, and then take and exploit and give thanks for that taking and that exploitation and and still maintain that that happy disposition of, of a happy go lucky patriotic American citizen, I suppose. <laughs> right? I mean, Sometimes when I think of Thanksgiving, like we talked about in the very beginning, is the the children at school dancing around in turkey outfits and having little plays. And that that's what happens. I mean, it's this really weird thing that's taught from really little. I mean, I remember making turkeys out of uh, paper bags too, little turkey things and posting them on the wall and everybody going, "Ooh, we made a turkey. We'll see how we'll see how it goes. Who's the creator of the Adams Family movie with uh, Christina Ritchie in it? Right. Like that scene always comes up too, where they just kind of sabotage their mythical and overly one-sided view of the Thanksgiving meal. Um, a tribe called Red redid uh, did a song, Burn Your Village to the Ground, where they sampled her little speech Wednesday Adams about the, the true history of like what it's like to be Native American in America during Thanksgiving, you know, so she was just kind of throwing out the and that's the so stereotypes right. out there. Yeah, right. It's so right. Thank you, Christina Ritchie, for reading your lines just perfectly. Um, you've inspired me since I was a little girl, and I've just been a fan of your acting um, since then. And and it's so it's so real what you said. Whoever was the writer behind that is so real because at that point I was living in Alberta and Montana. I hadn't been to Phoenix yet, but I do have grandmas who go to our government buildings and try to sell their earrings. And when I moved to Arizona, it was a totally different landscape being that people, we had the weather to sit outside of buildings and alongside the roads. And it is grandmas and it is grandpas. Um the, the last old man I saw before things really shut down was a old Navajo man in his late 80s, early 90s, selling his sand paintings on the side of the road, an ancient art form. He collected all of the sand colors himself. And, wow. and he was selling these, um, you know, thousand dollar pieces of artwork for for $35 on the side of the road. And, Ugh. and that's just above Sedona that's selling you 
$40,000 rugs um, that they paid just a few hundred for to the Navajo makers. And so, Christina Richie, your words, the writer of that is just, it's still true. It's still happening. It's still an egregious uh, violation of humanity. And in that we can center a celebration of thanks around only a portion of the story. And, and we can just, as a society, exclude the pain and the exploitation that has happened. And so I guess I'm, I'm always thankful that I'm here to contemplate it. I'm here to question it. I'm here to to be here because my grandma survived and was was born into and survived a starvation winter back in my great grandpa. Grandma, she was uh, her name's Bessie. She was born in December of 1883 on the Blackfeet Reservation and that winter um, was a starvation winter. And so I think of all of the relatives that I have that are in a mass grave up on Ghost Ridge who perished that winter and then my grandma surviving and um, how I could have been one of the unlucky ones, the future descendant of someone who perished. But I am gratefully here from a grandmother who was born and survived and that I have the ability and the voice and the platform to share the story of Thanksgiving and and the whole story that it that of of all of the different things that should be included in here and that it's and that I think that we need to do better as a country of people of immigrants and colonists settlers or settler colonialists and, and indigenous people we need to do better at treating each other better and and again that goes back to indigenous ways of being and how we continuously meet them with compassion and expectations of diplomacy and we continuously have our life ways just chipped away at but I'm still thankful I mean I I try not to use my existence as resistance because I I firmly believe in the power of of words and we have to be really careful about the words that we use and resistance in in it suggests that you have to push or fight and and I would rather be for and doing something that I am. So and I was questioned recently on that term is like, well, where did you get the term indigenize? What, where did you come up with it? And I'm still thinking on that one because it feels like it's been so long since I've been thinking like that. But I think it's really important to to use the power of words and and when we tell the stories of thanksgiving that we be inclusive in the stories and not discount the pain and the suffering that has is required to give thanks like we can't give thanks really until we know how bad it's been until you're that colonist or that indigenous person that has died from starvation or was massacred we we go through those horrible painful periods only to come out and and be thankful that we had that experience but whether or not we learn from it is a whole different story like but when we think about giving thanks and thanks for our food it's really important to add that perspective back in there that of the different ways to give thanks you know just like the conversation around land acknowledgments right now how a land acknowledgement can be really superficial and just performative like is our thanksgiving is our giving thanks performative or I think are it is exactly or are we actually taking a moment 
like we are right now to reflect on on all of the different areas of our lives and um, our social history and our food history and our health and our future. And most importantly, our power as people, as spiritual beings, uh, whether you believe in it or not, or not uh, if spiritual isn't the right word for as energy beings, we have the ability to transmit and receive energy. That's how we read vibes. And so when you sit down at your plate this week, be inclusive of the whole story that is surrounding Thanksgiving. And the after after Thanksgiving, put boots on the ground or or do some reading or do some personal growth that helps you understand all of the different areas that go into making the one holiday and and try to decommercialize it try not to send a thank you note try to give a call and and thank you phone calls and then for your food and your water make it a, a little ceremony and and thank what's on your plate transmit loving energy to it. it it has the ability to change the molecular structure of your food just like a microwave does this this giving of thanks has the ability to change molecular structure and so i think if it's not performative if we step up beyond performative and we get into the actual giving of gratitude and thanks and transmitting that I think that we can actually transform as as a people. Beautiful. Beautifully said. Indigenizing Thanksgiving on the IV podcast. That's that's exactly what I plan to do, I guess, this year. And we'll see how it goes. Maybe I'll just indigenize every holiday that comes up and try and put my little spin on it. What else can I do? That's all we can do. Well, thank you. Thank you for talking with me about this. I felt like there was no one who wanted to talk about it. They're just like, oh, here we go again. Melissa wants to talk about Thanksgiving, but thank you. So if anybody wants to chime in, maybe leave a comment or you can send us an email, your thoughts on Thanksgiving. I was recently watching a, a video and I watched or I read an article too about different people from different tribes and how they embrace Thanksgiving. And some people were just like, eh, we just eat. It's not a big deal to us. And some people were like, it's kind of like mourning for us. So I think it's a, it's a real individual experience. So it depends on you. Yeah. And, and I think on the East coast, it's uh, more of a day of mourning because they're closer, mm -hmm. they're closer to that massacre. And yeah. I know if it was a massacre site in Montana, we, we better have our governor out there. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, thank you. Well, I hope you have a lovely indigenized Thanksgiving. Happy Thanksgiving from indigenous vision. Thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of the Indigenous Vision podcast. If you have any comments or questions, you can always get in touch with us by emailing info at indigenousvision.org. If you'd like to learn more about who we are and what we do, please visit our website, indigenousvision.org, and check us out on Facebook. Stick around the SoundCloud page for a lot more from Indigenous Vision.